Trippier with the ball across. Maguire went for it, and it is in from Harry Kane again. Two goals for the captain. Lost a seat, shot deflected. Harry Kane's got another goal. He didn't know much about that one. He's got a hat trick in a World Cup for England. Chance for Yanazai to find a cross. For the beating of Rose. It's an absolute peach for Magnum Yanazai. Harry Kane is England's priceless gem. Him and him again. And England strike first. Eric Dyer places the ball on the spot. And England win on penalties. History in itself for this new team, new territory. The usual queue has formed. Maguire, Kane, Stones, now they break. And it's headed firmly in. Harry Maguire got his head to it. Four white shirts in the wall. It's Kieran Trippier. He's in! Kieran Trippier's first goal for England is in a World Cup semi-final. Kept alive by Perisic. Just here. Mario Mandzukic may just have won this semi-final for Croatia. Almost four years ago, 211 teams began the qualification process for Russia 2018, but now only two were left standing, France and Croatia. There was a long road to get here, but the la- their last victims, Belgium and England, must suffer the indignity of a third-place playoff. The poor guys, really. I feel bad for Belgium and England. I always feel bad for the third-place teams and fourth-place teams because they have to actually hang around, play out that match. Sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's enjoyable, and you know the teams are happy enough to have got to a semi-final. Like maybe there will be a bit of feeling about that in this uh, in this third place match. You know, certainly in two thousand two when it was Turkey versus South Korea, both teams were kind of shocked to have made it that far. But like the last World Cup third place playoff was a Brazil Netherlands. Both teams fairly unhappy that would be to be so there. Weird, because <laughs> like Brazil had just been destroyed seven one, yeah. and then Netherlands went out. And were like, oh, we can. We can embarrass them ourselves as well. Like it wasn't a three nil, I think. Yeah, it was, it was pretty. It was, bad. it was pretty comfortable. I remember Arian Robin actually scored goals, which you know he always fails to do on the biggest occasions. Yeah, like, although uh, for RT, I always love RT's coverage of the third place playoff. Like every other country, uh, like oh, we don't even need to watch it. But when it when it's RT's coverage of it, like you, you kind of have to watch it just to see what they'll do. Cause, yeah, because like, that match hosts yeah. it every time. And so they a, get the kids in as well the last few times as well. I think they're planning to bring kids in again this time as well. Oh, or, great. Or at least they've been in the studio anyway. Uh, Richie Sadler was putting up pictures of it, uh, showing them around. That's pretty decent it's, now. Yeah, it's. I always love that. I, it was particularly great uh, at the last World Cup when the whoever, I, can't, I don't even know their names, the lads who do Apre Match. But, you don't need to know their names. Yeah, They're exactly. There's just the guy who would be Bill, uh, yeah. Bill O'Hurley, got up and ran ran over to the side of the studio to reveal Brian Kerr and Stephen Alkin just in the studio. Who Doing a full commentary. commentary of the match, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. 
It's a bit, of, yeah. Uh, I love the. I re, I do love the third place playoff match, and I love that it's Belgium England as well, just because they have met earlier in the tournament. Like I think that's just really funny. Yeah, Phil Jones will get another run out. All about Danny yeah, Welbeck. Exactly. Will, will play. Simon Mignolet might even play. Oh God. Oh yeah. They should try. The Belgium should try play all eleven Premier League players. Like try, try and make it. Won't a be hard. It won't be hard. Exactly. Hurt. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one then? The uh, in two thousand and six, it was Germany Portugal, wasn't it? Yeah, but the RT commentary, he he was like, uh, where, "Where was he? Gel- come in, Gelsenkirchen, Gelsenkirchen, come in, come in, Gelsenkirchen." <laughs> and I went over to the commentary, the commentator, and he was like, "Well, I'd love to be in Gelsenkirchen, but I'm actually in Stuttgart." <laughs> so yeah, and to be fair, the third place playoff matches at recent World Cups have been pretty good. Like it was three two wow. between Germany and Uruguay. It was three one, I think, between Germany and Portugal. Turkey, South Korea was just a bit weird. Fastest goal in World Cup history in world. Is yeah, it, exactly. Definitely World Cup yeah. history. Beat uh, uh, Brian Robson's goal for England against France in eighty two for Hakim Yeah, it was Sukar. the quickest in quickest in uh, World Cup history. Anyway, which is impressive. Yeah. It is, it is, in itself. There, there's a, like, I feel bad for the teams because it is, like, it's a hangover from, like, earlier colonial times almost when the World Cup was a bit of an exhibition tournament, like, in 1930, in the 30s, effectively, where it was just like, oh, these get them an extra game, get the crowd an extra game. The teams have travelled from, you know, different continents. It's, they've taken weeks to travel here and let them play a, let them play a World Cup match here. And that's what happened in Uruguay and that's what started the whole tradition of having those third place matches. Yeah, but I kind of, I kind of get why he also is to keep it like, oh yeah, define a third, like a team that actually came third. Yeah, they don't do that in any other football tournament exactly, except for the Olympics. Is, which is kind of why I, I like that it's only I like that it's only the World Cup because like it is the World Cup. Like yeah. I think it's fair to actually define who came third. Yeah. No, there yeah, you kind of feel there there can be reasoning behind it. It's, it's and it's it's okay. I feel it's the kind of, you know, the only time in four years when you care when like Tunisia are playing Panama is when the World Cup is on. And I think by the time you get to the third place match, it's lost a bit of luster the tournament. You're kind of hung over from the the amount of matches of teams you don't really care about. And it doesn't mean anything, so you kind of lost that kind of priority you had for when, you know, if a World Cup quarter final happens between Uruguay and France, even if you've nothing in the match, it's a World Cup quarter final, so you'll watch it or you'll be engaged in it. And I think by the time the third place game comes, that's gone. And it feels just like a random international friendly that could have happened at any time in the preceding or preceding four years. Yeah, but the it I it's definitely it's definitely a friendly like but that sometimes that just means that something random might happen mm. like that you would see at a friendly or you'll see players that you might not have seen play throughout the tournament like, where is it I, on is it on in st petersburg or it's on in st petersburg which uh, i feel bad then for england because they were in moscow so they actually have to fly over yeah. to play a match that's or the fan i feel worse for the fans who bought tickets to the final and have to yeah. go to st petersburg <laughs> instead to watch england well they made their mistake yeah <laughs> But, like, at least with Belgium, they're just in St. Petersburg, so, like, they just stay where they are. Yeah. Not much well, of a problem. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's much uh, comfort for them at this point when they've... Well, it's all they have left. <laughs> yeah. 
speaking of that, the first semi-final to happen was France-Belgium. Yeah, it was It was a weird... Uh, like, it started off well. I thought Belgium... Like, I don't think Belgium were poor by any means. And I, I don't think France were good by any means. Just France saw out the victory. They got the they got the goal in a set piece and Belgium just couldn't break through. Like, I thought Hugo Lloris was probably one of France's best players. Like, he was one of the best performances I've seen from him, certainly. Yeah, I felt it was a very much of a... It was a damn squib. It was the usual... It was almost like a normal World Cup lockout match where kind of everyone's being very cautious. There isn't much, you know, creativity or risks being taken. And neither team really took a great amount of risk. Set pieces were the key to the goals. Were key to the goal in this match, a single goal from Mtiti, who just kind of got... He got the run on Fellaini. Fellaini was caught flat-footed and couldn't get himself in the right position, get his body in the correct position to make a jump to head the ball away. And Mtiti just got in first and knocked the ball into the back of the net. And really, that was the only... There was chances that, like, had been created. I know uh, Mbappe... Mbappe, will, I know, we'll talk a bit more about, probably a bit more when we're previewing the final. But he had some nice touches during the match. But at the same time, his decision-making was a question at times. The French finishing outside of that goal from Untiti was terrible. And yeah, that's Giroud. Giroud in particular, like he's he's yet to have a shot on target at this World Cup. Like his finishing has been really below par. And yeah. like there was one chance where Mbappe like did this incredible flick to give him the ball. That's what I was and, like complete through on goal for Giroud, and Giroud just skied that's, it. Like, that's that what was I was so going to talk to you about that one in particular because Mbappe's getting a great bit of uh, there. It felt a bit showy, that, that piece of skill. They said, oh, it's like a new Zidane move, and like the Marseille's turn. But I don't feel it is that, because he absolutely... He did the Marseille's turn, which, fair enough, I don't think it was necessary in the position he was in. He knew he was kind of showboat when he did that. But the ball through... Like, he could have stabbed that ball through and left the, the attacking player in a much better position to finish the goal. He killed the momentum on the ball that he created from doing the turn with the little pass. And there, there was no pace on it, so the ball, it took an extra half second to reach the player, and it, it just didn't have enough uh, pace for the player to take it in the stride and move it. He had to almost had to wait or pull back a bit to get the ball into himself. And I don't blame the attacker for that. I, I think that was an overrated piece of skill, great as it was. And it didn't matter as it, as, it, as it turned out because the match was already going to be 1-1-0. But there was a bit of that from Mbappe that, you know, it's a bit of naivety almost. He was trying to be cool, being clever, and it didn't work out for him. He did the same in the first half when you remember when he squared the ball to... This is the square ball to uh, Giroud that he missed entirely, hit it wide. And yeah, Mbappe, really you know... When was... I can't remember the In the first ball, half, anyway, at the yeah. end of the first half, Mbappe goes, the ball f- fed through to the right-hand side. He kind of flew at it and hit a, a half volley cross towards Drew, and Drew really should have done better with it. He kind of mishit it and kind of shinned it wide. But there was some. He, it was one of the. I think Mbappe created four goal scoring opportunities during the match, something like that. Three in the first half, and none of them really led to anything. And for all his greatness, like I loved watching him even in the first minute when he skipped past. Uh, who was it in, as playing left back for for Tongan? He skipped past for Tongan and went to made a cross in after a minute, after not even a minute, after about twenty seconds. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good match, and really, we did not see any of that for the rest of the tie. And uh, like, we can criticize them for that, but I think that was the French plan. It was the design for throughout the match. Oh like, yeah, definitely. Griezmann was. I there there's certain players that have got praise in in the last while in the french side that i don't understand and certain players who've been absolutely destroyed but i don't understand 
Griezmann is one of them. He's been all Griezmann's whenever he's been on the ball. Saying I thought he was terrible in the semi final. I thought he he held up the ball poorly. I thought he he stopped attacks. He stopped the momentum of attacks when they were developing. I thought he was anonymous when they didn't have the ball in ways that Olivier Drew made two clearances inside his own box at crucial times during the match. Like yeah, I, Griezmann I, wasn't doing that. Like I don't think, as I've said to you before in previous in previous podcasts, I don't think Drew is necessarily there for his uh, finishing. And attacking prowess, he was playing almost as a 10 for a lot of the match with both Griezmann and Mbappe in front of him. And even getting deeper as a, as the match went on before he was subbed. Yeah, but I thought, I, I agree with Griezmann that like he just, like he was so poor. Like I, But I think this has been a problem with him throughout the tournament. Like I don't, I don't remember him lighting it up at any point. Like he got no, he scored goals. With, <laughs> like there, there's no like denying he got, that. He got completely lucky with the Uruguay goal that he scored. The like yeah, Muslera that, just that was a, a fluke. But he's been up. scoring penalties and yeah, like he. I don't recall any performance of his that was even just impressive or made me like really think. Oh, Barcelona are missing out by not having him. Like I don't know. Like he's he's not been the most impressive player. Like oh, of the France attackers. Yeah, it's France are not the greatest team to ever get to a World Cup final. Like, I, I, I was really hoping that this would be the performance where they actually impress me, where they mm. actually light it up, and it's like, oh yeah, they are World Cup finalists. But it, it just felt like, like, did you see the comments from uh, Thibaut Courtois and Ian Hazard uh, after the match? It's about anti football and uh, yeah, they were complaining the about anti anti football. Which was a bit rich coming from the two players playing for Chelsea, uh, which yeah. uh, was a bit funny. But it is slightly different with the national team. Like, and like, there's nothing wrong with the way France set out in the sense that they've won. So, yeah. uh, like, fair enough. Like, it is all about they're winning un- at the end of the unbeaten. day. They're unbeaten. They're in a World Cup final. They've scored goals, which they weren't doing in qualifying. They have the most exciting player in the tournament on their side. Their midfielders are actually performing in ways that probably... Certainly, Matuidi wasn't, has never performed as well in a French jersey, despite him running around a lot always. Uh, Pogba's actually making incisive passing and being a leader almost in defence and in different ways that it, than he has been in the past. Like, Graeme Sunes was pleased with him, I would imagine. Uh, For the first time ever. Kante is, yeah. Kante is just probably the best holding midfielder in the world right now. He, even, he breaks forward. I remember he broke forward in that match and nobody went with him. And there's Kante breaking from well within his own half, and he's about 30 yards from goal, doesn't have any options at all. The French the French team didn't break with him. It's like, if they had anyone who had the, you know, guile or intelligence to go with Kante, they probably would have had a fairly good goal scoring opportunity. But, you know, that, that the rest of that team is performing, but they're not, as you say, they're not putting in a World Cup defining performance. And we only have one more match for them to do that, and I don't know if they can do it. Yeah, like it's not often that you see a team in the like wait till the World Cup final to actually give that defining performance. Like, I you could probably say that about actually France in '98, maybe. Yeah, like probably that's, that's always the one. Croatia, you, know, you could say Croatia funny. as well. Lillian Tram and those, you know, the semi-final they really they lit it up, and then in the final they really just took control. But yeah, yeah there, we haven't we haven't had any of that yet for France. Like, the, but this France. This France team is talented. It has very good players, but that, like that French side in '98, actually had like maybe in that squad they had probably five or six proper titans of the game of that era. They had Vieira, they had Henri, 
they had Zidane, they had Deschamps, they had Desailly, they had Chiram, they had Laurent Blanc, they had even Fabian Barthez was was a, a character of the game in the nineties. Like the, they are all there. You are Jerkaev, who's often forgotten, and he was one of the great creative wizards in that team and one of the main actual goal scoring threats. These are all big players in that team, and if you look at this France team now, wow, they've got Mbappe, who could be amazing. He's still early, and he's their yeah, greatest like, potential. This is the thing with that squad; is it's still incredibly young, so it's very hard to say that about yeah. them. Yeah, like in ten years' time, we might uh, like look back on this team if they go on to win the World Cup, and we'll be like, oh yeah, they had Mbappe, they had Pogba, they had Kante, they had all these players. Perhaps. But we just Perhaps. can't say that right now because they are just so young. Well, in France, ninety-eight. All of those players I listed were at, were world class players. They were at Milan, at Barcelona, at uh, Juventus. They were you know Champions League winners, Champions League finalists throughout the whole team. That, that I didn't even mention the likes of uh, Patrick Vieira or Manuel Petit or uh, Lizarazu. You know the, these are all other players that were you know while not legendary in their era were fantastic players who won medals everywhere they went and they grew you, you to could say gold. that about th- this team as well like they've like Varan himself has won four Champions League yeah, but like they've he all, is the most underwhelming finals. player to ever win four Champions League titles <laughs> Keylor Navas <laughs> well yeah maybe Keylor Navas well Keylor Navas at least you know he has a bit of uniqueness about him he's you know first Costa Rican to be as successful as he is and He's done his job, but... Uh, Brian Raf- Ruiz. Uh, Rafael Varane. Well, yeah, fair enough about Brian Ruiz. <laughs> but Rafael Raf Varane, you know, he was, the only, he was the guy that wasn't a dickhead in the Real Madrid defence. He wasn't Pepe. He wasn't Sergio Ramos. And is that a good... You know, that's, that's about the, his greatest characteristic in that team. He's never... He's never lit the world on fire from a defensive point of view. He was always, oh, this guy's going to be great. This guy's going to be great. This guy's going to break. And he's been, we've been saying that for five years about him. He has missed chunks of seasons with injuries, but he still isn't there. He's short. He makes mistakes as he's made in this tournament. They haven't really been punished. Umtiti is a goer. He's a very hard-working defender. He is, again, quite technically gifted. He's good on the ball. He He's good at winning the ball and distributing it immediately. He's good decision-making uh, skill. And obviously, he's... a danger from set pieces as he showed in the semi-final but he's also short he's also young he's also oh a great potential for the future Hernandez and uh, uh, the other guy Pavar. Pavar who I always forget his name who is actually a centre back and he plays a full back for this French team you know the, none of them set the world alight in terms of defensive qualities despite them being an overwhelmingly defensive side yeah, but like it's, I like I think Varane has. I think they've all had good tournaments. Like that's been the one. They've been solid. There's no denying about that. this. Like I thought Varane was fantastic in that semi final. Like any ball that came into the box, he was there. He was getting rid of it. He was there getting his head on the ball. Like he was always willing to put his body on the line. And you would like to think every player would in a World Cup semi final, but he actually was there. He was doing it. And then Umtiti put his body on the line to get there for the goal. Like the both yep. of them were very impressive. They led from the back very well. And well it's it's the like this France team has been has actually been quite good. Like the just the Argentina match aside for the defence, because they were a bit lackadaisical in that match. But the midfield's been very strong. It's just the attack that's really letting down the perception of the side because they've been so underwhelming. 
Yeah, but the way they're playing, the way they're designed to play, you talk about the the greatness of that defense in this tournament. And yeah, I acknowledge they've been very solid. They've been they performed well. They've done their duty. They've done their job. Lloris even, who has been flapping at balls still and is punching things away that he could easily catch, and he is he has a mistake in him whether he'll get hit in this tournament or not is another question. But they're playing like you saw it against Belgium. They played and like you said earlier about the criticism for from Courtois and Hazard about the defensive tendencies of this French side. They were playing within a few minutes of the semi-final starting. They were playing with four men inside their own box and having the probably maybe twenty-five yards between their their defender and their furthest further furthest forward player playing in their own yeah. half you know at nil all in a world cup semi-final where apparently they have the better squad maybe not better individual players but they have the better squad yeah like this is disappointing for me like i vented that frustration throughout this tournament like Mm -hmm. i've been really disappointed by them but i will give them credit for the fact that like they have done what they've set out to achieve pretty well it's just the attack is just so lackluster especially when you consider the players that are there they have Griezmann they have Mbappe like Giroud not the greatest player but he's proven himself to score goals That, but he hasn't done that they have mm. Usman Dembele on the bench he started against Australia he's not done anything in the time he's been given no. like it's just, it's just been underwhelming they're very talented yeah. players yeah Fakir is actually the only player that I thought was actually quite exciting, but he's just been given so little time. Like yeah. I remember he came on against Peru and what is st- or Denmark rather, in what is still the only nil nil of this competition, and he was almost he was the only one there that looked like scoring. It was like yeah. Deschamps didn't tell him that he's not allowed to score because he yeah. almost got there. He, he he was exciting. He was like I I feel bad that he's not going to be in the Premier League now because like that little flash made me be like oh yeah he would be fun to watch on a weekly basis in the Premier yeah. League. What about Belgium then? What do, do you? There's a lot of these players now who this is the so-called golden generation of Belgium, and there is a few young players still in there. The Kak is relatively young. De Bruyne is relatively young. Hazard still got a fair He's amount of years. Yeah, definitely. But there is others such as Company, Fellaini, Dembele, Vermalen. These players, uh, the maybe Axel Witzel doesn't have another one in them. The uh, Dries Mertens certainly wouldn't be around for another World Cup. What? What? How do you judge this golden generation of Belgian players? Like how? How have they done? I think that they've probably done as best as they realistically can, just because Belgium isn't a nation that has the history behind it that even England had when they had a golden generation. Yeah, like there is like history plays a part. Like when a nation has that success in the past they expect more success whereas this belgian side doesn't have that like they got to the semi-final 86 and that's like all i can really say about their successful history i can't remember if they ever had a successful euro campaign before like they hosted in 2000 and they were they didn't get out of the group if i remember yeah they were not great in 2000 they were all right in the 70s they were you know obviously being where they are in the in europe they were exponents of total football played fantastic football were very impressive but often didn't qualify at the expense of the netherlands next to them they were often knocked out by their partners so they missed out in some tournaments and other tournaments as you said they finished third uh or they think they got to semi-finals certainly i don't remember if they actually finished third in the end (laughs) but you know they don't have the uh, that history that you talk about, and maybe this might be the end of that for another while for Belgium. Yeah, like I, I think uh, I think Euro sixteen is the only real disappointment from them because they came up against a 
not particularly great whale side that was really being carried by the momentum of the story that was there rather than how good that whale's team was yeah. and gareth bale obviously yeah like gareth bale obviously was uh, a massive reason why wales were so good but uh, that's just one player like belgium they took the lead against wales as well like they really should have won that match and mm. then a semi-final against portugal you would have expected them to at least challenge portugal so it that's that's the one that got away from them i think yeah well, what about Roberto Martinez now? The, he's proven, like, despite you ha- your hatred of him. I don't is, hate him. You do. You hate Roberto Martinez. I think he's a fine manager. He's developed that whole two-television system with his wife that kept his marriage together. I think he's a, a fairly good guy. He has tried to keep his kind of self-aggrandizing to his, to a minimum during this World Cup. He, some of it's creeped out, but, you know, that, 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 can, that can happen. He's adapted well through the tournament adjusting when necessary changing his team maybe he hasn't got it right the whole time and maybe that was a contributing factor to them losing to france in the end but as you said it's it's as as good as they could expect to get to a semi-final especially considering the prior teams they played in brazil and getting out winning their group with england in it you know that these things turn out okay for him in the end does he stay now or does he go to somewhere else you think he should say you don't think he should go to you know, jobs could still come available. I, you know, Barcelona doesn't look like a going job right now, but and neither is Bayern Munich. But there is other jobs that could big jobs in Europe that could come available for a manager of his caliber. I think uh, it would be a bit of a leap for him to be linked with one of the top club sides. I think he needs two more years at Belgium to be like he needs at least another semi final at the Euros to be able to consider for those jobs because like he was at Everton before that. I don't think if he had gone, I don't think he would have gone from Everton to a big club. So I think he still needs to prove himself a little bit at Belgium. Uh, I saw him linked maybe with the Spain job, but obviously that's gone to Luis Enrique. Mm. So I think he should just stay with uh, Belgium. Perhaps, perhaps, but I don't know. Would he be tempted away by, you know, the likes if the likes of Schalke, if, if their if their young manager was tempted away with the, someone of that kind of mid-level European club? This is actually something that uh, I've been thinking about lately as well. As the, U- the Euro Nations actually offers him an escape route as well. And it offers uh, national teams, like Nat- or like the associations, uh, an escape route. Because it like he if he's terrible at the Euro Nations League, it's a pretty easy uh, cutoff point for them to just get rid of him or vice versa, him to impress and a club to come in and try take him. You just love that Euro Nations League. It's going to be an I think absolute it's a good nothing idea. event where it's going to be treated as friendlies. No one's going to care whether they win or lose in these matches. I think teams will care. I don't think they will because they still have qualifiers. They'll treat the qualifiers seriously. And these matches will be used to experiment. The majority... There's 24 teams get into this tournament. Like this, They're not going to care about this. All the big teams, that is. like The smaller teams, I think, will care about it, of course. But the the big nations... Well, yeah, because it offers them a place in the in the Euros. The top 16 or so teams in Europe will all treat it like like a nothing event. You, you know, the likes of France and Spain and England and Germany, like they're not going to treat this seriously at all. Uh, I, I think we should uh, maybe talk more about the Euro Nations League. You just don't want to talk about it now because you, 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 you've been caught out in your love affair with... No, I, I fully, I'm fully behind the Euro Nations League. I'm looking forward to watching it in September, or well, yeah, September when it starts. But uh, we're still in the middle of the World Cup, so we are, we're we kind of getting ahead of ourselves. What about Thierry Henry before we go on? What about Thierry Henry? 
does has he proven himself like as a he's been spoken very highly by Lukaku among other players that he he brings something different to the dressing room he has this aura around him he has a a way of speaking to players that they that is understood by the players he keeps instructions very simple he tells them how to score goals effectively how to be cool and calm on the pitch how to adjust their movement he's been very good with his technical side of things apparently does he move on from Sky Sports in Belgium does he become a, a proper manager does he take on a job somewhere uh, I think the only one really that can answer that is Thierry Henry. Like it, it seems like he's not as committed to. It. Like I remember, he was linked with uh, a role at Arsenal recently, but he turned it down because he thought it was too many hours, or something like that. And that was a story. So I don't know if he really wants that yet. I think that could be something further down the line. I think another two years with Roberto Martinez would be very good experience for him. Like it's hard to tell has he proven himself because how does a second choice assistant really prove himself in the space of six games or whatever? So, like it's hard to tell what's going to happen there. Um, uh, but that will do us for uh, part one. Uh, where join us for part two, where we will look at the other semi final, England versus Croatia. Welcome back now to uh, part two, where we will look back on England's uh, elimination from this competition. They lost in the semi-final, the final hurdle to the the final. Yes, that's right, the final hurdle to the final uh, against Croatia in extra time, two one, and a uh, much better match than the other semi-final. Really, I would say there was more going on. At least we got extra time. We almost got the penalty shootout, which would have been fun. Uh, England completely collapsed which we have seen in the tournament before they did it against uh, Colombia if you remember uh, but this time they didn't have enough to come back from it and the walking wounded of Croatia managed somehow to just show that extra bit of skill and ingenuity to pull through and win this whole thing or win this whole tie rather and they're, they're, they're still in it to win the whole thing but Somehow the likes of the like really like a lot of the players we were to, we had talked extensively about the right back whose name I can't never pronounce what's his name Frisalco Frisalco was never was out he wasn't going to start and they lacked complete yeah. pace and he played into extra time certainly and he looked he completely shot one hundred and twenty minutes didn't he Yeah he played well but he looked absolutely wrecked like destroyed the goal from Trippier you know great free kick he had to get it on target I thought it was fantastic but then looking back on it apparently the keeper was didn't even attempt to make a save because his hamstring was gone he was worried he was going to get rid of it after five minutes so he didn't even make an attempt to save it and he possibly would have saved it because it wasn't going very fast the you know somehow Rakitic is still in the side I, I presume he's injured or something which is why he's been playing so badly he was better uh, on Wednesday, though, I thought. Like, well, you noticed he was there. Yeah, you yeah. noticed he was there. That was about it. It's the best performance he's had since Argentina. But, like, Modric was still just fantastic being Modric, but at the same time, you could tell he's, like, he he's got tired. taken off later on. Like, he was wrecked. Like, he did amazingly well throughout. It's like, how is this guy still going? Like, he's played... Oh, uh, apparently, uh, telling them that they look wrecked is apparent uh, as a massive insult to them because that seemed to be a huge motivating factor for uh, their performance against England. Yeah, like the player who just mentioned before, what's his name? Uh, the, the right, right back. back uh, Versalco. Versalco, whose name I'll never remember nor be able to pronounce properly. He went on a tirade, not a tirade, but he went on saying how initially he just 
you know, we thought this England side was different, but it turns out you just put them under pressure and they're the same old England, play it long, you know, panic, you lose control of the ball and just you'll beat them easily. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Alan Smith, uh, who I can't remember who he's working for, but an uh, Irish journalist over in England who had one of the best stats of this tournament was that uh, England have had as many shots on target from open play as Saudi Arabia at this World Cup. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Like, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> the other, like the, Harry Kane has only had one shot in the whole knockout turn, which was the penalty he scored against Colombia. Jeez, yeah, like sure, like when you when you talk about Subasic and like the story going around of him, like he was unable to even go for the free kick because he thought he might mm. injure himself. Like when you hear a story like that, this feels like a huge missed opportunity for England. Like they've oh, yeah. done they've done well to get to the semi final. But then, and like in twenty years' time, it'll probably be looked back on as romantically as Italian ninety is in England. Uh, I don't think it will, but it, it'll, it'll, still, it'll be something. It'll be looked back on. Yeah, it'll be just behind Italian ninety because it is yeah. their third best performance, and it, yeah. technically it could become their second best performance. But uh, Italian ninety will always be second to sixty six. But when you consider the Subasic didn't even go for that ball because he was about to be injured and they didn't have another shot on target for the entire 115 minutes after that. Really yeah, says a lot about England. Yeah, and they missed a couple of really guilt-edged chances. You know, uh, Sterling had a few. The Obviously, Harry Kane had the post shot that was offside, but probably would have been a goal. But, but far, it was bad. It was and, bad. And like, it's just disappointing that they, yeah. they've gone out like this. Like it's been a fun journey watching them. You know they've had their ups and downs. They they had the emotional high of finally winning a penalty shootout, and then they just kind of. I don't want to say they limped out, but it definitely it, they didn't go out with a bang. Either. No, it was it was awful. Like you you saw it later on. Like I fans were complaining that the oh, the Croatians were time wasting and they're you know they're walking wounded or taking up too much time crawling off the field. And Manzukic with his we got an awful clattering from Jordan Pickford and still managed to score after it. Like we can go into analyzing the individual performances of the players in the team, but I don't know what Gareth Southgate has reversed a lot of his praise in this one match because the first half, if you watch the first half, England had it in the bag. They had squandered chances. They had complete control of the ball. Croatia, even early into the second half, just in the first few minutes of the second half, uh, Versalco was running up that right hand side, and Perisic was getting confused and moving in the right, like moving in from the right hand side and getting in play with the way of each other. And they were losing the ball, and England were getting all the ball and just being in control. And then a switch of Perisic out to the left hand side suddenly changed the whole complexion of the match. England weren't able to cope with a simple player swap. Uh, they panicked in other ways, you know, bringing on defensive players like Eric Tyre when really they should have been going for the match. Uh, they they started playing the ball long to Harry Kane, who was injured and also cannot play long ball football because it's not his game at all. His game is to play it to his feet and him to work it. So he was coming deeper and deeper, leaving Sterling completely, and then later Marcus Rashford, completely isolated up front, being, you know, a lightweight, pacey like striker surrounded by at least four Croatians at all times they didn't get a hold of the ball there were no dribbles successful dribbles they laid on in the match once an equaliser has been scored there was nothing changed in the match like bringing on Jamie Vardy okay he's a, he's a quick player he makes things happen in the club game but also he's not the fittest player in the world right now and he, what would he bring that's different from Harry Kane if Harry Kane is still on the field 
he's not a superior player to them. He's not a superior technical player than Marcus Rashford, I'd argue. So what was the point of him being there? Why didn't they try and bring something more creative into midfield? Bring, I don't know, the strength and guile of someone like... Uh, What's the name of the player from uh, Chelsea again? Who is complete the double barrel name? Who's completely escaped my at the moment? Uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Ruben Loftus Cheek could have come on and you know maybe created something deeper in midfield and put another bit of pressure on the aging midfield of Croatia. Instead, they sacrificed defensive players for attacking players, which meant the defensive players had to get rid of the ball quicker and could get it forward quicker. So there was even less play going through midfield. I, I don't understand the, the theory behind it. So whenever Croatia would get the ball, they would just hold on to it in midfield. There was no one closing them down, no one putting any significant pressure on it. Half the England team were in this... They had a couple of players, a couple of England players, like the fast players, would be completely stranded in the top half of the field. Then there'd be the likes of Harry Kane or the Deli Alley just stuck in the middle, the third of Croatia's half. And then in front of them, or behind them rather, you'd have the entire Croatia midfield just playing the ball around while English defenders would aimlessly try to get the ball back from them and it was inevitable that they create chances which they did and it was inevitable that they'd score goals because this England defence as we said before they're prone to mistakes they're not the quickest they're not the most technically gifted they've been fortunate so far they're playing a right wing back and a centre back they're playing as a you know a, a two players who are not used to playing in a back three at all in, in John Stones and and Harry Maguire in a back three, because Harry Maguire certainly isn't used to it, and John Stones, when he has played in it, he's made kind of billboard mistakes for Man City. And it happened again, and Jordan Pickford could do nothing about it. Like, he put himself about in a way that maybe the defender should have when he made contact with Mandzukic an extra time. But that was all he could do about the the goals that he conceded. Yeah, like, like, Croatia weren't any better, I thought, than they were against Denmark. Like, it it wasn't a vintage Croatian performance. And, and like, England just allowed them back into the game. Like, for the second knockout game of this tournament, like, out of three, they've let the opponent back into the game. And, like, they they almost let Sweden back into the game as well. But for some fine Jordan Pickford saves, like, it's such a a bizarre problem that they seem to be having and bringing Eric Dyer on is not helping their defensive situation that, at all. That just, I, I just lost all faith when that happened. You know, you can laugh sometimes at kind of misfortune or tragedy. It can kind of be a way of uh, denying or distracting yourself from the reality of the sadness of it all. But when but, you make the same mistakes uh, like time and time again, like no one's going to feel sorry for you the third, fourth, fifth and sixth time no, you do it. No. And like, we said it after the Columbia game, like they can't bring on Eric Dyer in this kind of situation again or they'll lose and that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. Like I don't understand it. Like I do, like there's players on that on that bench. Why have they haven't got a chance? They like Danny Welbeck, the likes of uh as we said, Ruben Loftus cheek, the likes of even Phil Jones would have been a more creative player than Eric Dyer to bring on in midfield. I'm more solid, like defensively solid. Like yeah, he's like he would have won a few more headers. You know, I I don't like the first. What was the first change they made was bringing off Ashley Young, who had done okay. You know, he'd been a bit suspect defensively because you know it's, he clearly isn't a a left. Yeah, his really. his uh, deficiencies defensively really were shown up. I thought in this match, I, I thought why, he was. 
I think Rybich got in behind him so often that it was clearly harmful. But then again, like, bringing on Danny Rose didn't help that situation. Like, you should have just accepted your fate there and hoped that you stick on and actually bring in an attacking player because Danny Rose wasn't wasn't much better. Like, he's not fit. He's clearly, like, I I, I don't want to say he's not in the right frame of mind, but, like, coming in at that kind of situation, like, to left back, that's not a a comfortable position to be bringing on someone a hundred minutes into the match or whatever it was. Like, it's just, it's... It was a, a poor decision. I, I thought it at the time, like, you're bringing on Danny Rose to get yourself out of this hole. Danny Rose. Yeah, like, I'm all for... But, like, it would have been... If Danny Rose was brought on to make a tactical change in the match to kind of control the bubble game more further back in the field to get more players in creative positions to do something for England, I would have understood it. But they didn't. It was a like-for-like... Like, every Almost every sub was a like-for-like like replacement. Throughout this entire tournament, it's been like for like. He's never like. changed the system. And he's had some weird quotes about it as well, about like the refusal, the stubbornness to stick to the system. Like he said, like great teams never uh, change their plans or whatever. It's like, no, that's the opposite of the case. Like great teams recognize when their plan isn't working and they make a slight change to it. Yeah. You don't have to like, I don't know if he's misconstrued what a formation is to what a, like, to what the patterns of play can be because you can keep a 3-5 or 3-6-1 or whatever the the England formation that he's trying to play is you can keep that you can keep your three centre backs you can keep your wing backs there's no no problem with that but change the patterns of play instead of you playing okay give it to Jordan Henderson let Jordan Henderson ping a long ball or like a diagonal ball forward okay that's not work so far so figure out what's another way we can do this okay well maybe we'll drop Deli Alley to be alongside Jordan Henderson at the at the as a deep lying playmaker, that Deli Ali does do that from time to time. Let him get more on the ball and maybe start dribbling at them or playing through the center, or we'll start, we'll adjust how we play and we'll play. You know the the fullbacks might tuck in a little bit so the wingers and the midfielders can push up more and create space and overlaps on the on the channels on the wings to get crosses into Harry Kane in the box. Why not do that? Maybe. But they didn't do it. All they did is like, like for like placement. Okay, our players are getting tired, so we can't run through anymore. Like we were trying in the first half and in the early second half. So let's play long balls over the top for the subs who's just come on to run at, and let's hope they can play the ball back to Harry Kane standing outside the D with his hands on his hips. Yeah, and like. I as credit to Croatia as well, like for being able to come back into it. Like we spent a lot of time talking about England. Like, like you mentioned Perisic as well. Like Perisic was absolutely fantastic. Like that's one of the best individual performances from this competition, I think, from anyone. Like up there with probably Modric against Russia. Uh, Russia or Croatia had a few like absolutely amazing uh, performances, like individual performances like that throughout the competition. But like at, there was a point there where Perisic looked like he was going to win the match by himself. Like, it was after the goal went in, he hit the post. There was another chance there where he got in behind. And he did very well to score his goal as well. It was very well taken to, to get his foot in there. When a lot, and a good technique to get it into the goal as well. Especially uh, considering Kyle Walker looked like he had a cover. Considering how good Jordan Pickford has been. Uh, and then Mario Mandzukic was, like, definition of a big game player. Like, he was absolutely fantastic. But then again, going back to the Mandzukic goal... They like it was the kind of goal you just knew was coming because England were just so like they were complete calamity. They're being sloppy. The back. They're being sloppy. Yeah, I kept I kept waiting for that for them to not get away with it. They were getting away with a lot of 
uh, a lot of mistakes. Like uh, there was plenty of times where they were pressed high up, and Pickford ended up having to boot it long, and it went straight to a Croatian player. And you're thinking, yeah. if he took a really well placed shot, he probably could score from there because they're all so out of sorts. Like there was yeah. one point where all he had to do was play it forward, and Perisic was well in, like because. I think it was Kyle Walker was by the touchline playing everyone onside. Like, they got away with a lot and then ultimately John Stones kind of fall asleep, kind of just misses Mazzucic behind him. The ball rolls past him very nonchalantly. Like, he really should have been getting on the end of it or at least paying better attention. And ultimately, it's cost England. But again, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily blame John Sloan's for getting England knocked out. Like, there's no one no, no, individual no. player. Like, there's no one that's completely to blame in would, the way uh, yeah. Beckham was in '98 or whatever. Well, I wouldn't blame David Beckham for the '98 host. Yeah, but the way he was, like, yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. And I wouldn't blame Gareth Southgate either, or the man. Like, it's a he did, <laughs> Yeah, he did what he did. He thought he was doing the best for his team. He didn't like actively decide. Okay, we're going to keep playing the way we're going to play. Um, hopefully we're going to get a goal. He didn't think we're not. We're going to go out by doing this. He he believed that was the best way he his team could go forward, and he knows better than we do, of course. So he was wrong, but he knows better than we do. England are going home eventually uh, after the the third place game, and you know they've they've got nobody nobody really to blame but themselves in this thing. They've done, but at the same time we can't be cruel to them. Like they've done immensely well to get this far. They did better than everyone expected them. Like, everyone expected to get them out of the group. But the draw turned out to be very kind to them. And they managed to get to the, the semi-finals for the first time since, since 1990. A, a tremendous, tremendous uh, achievement. Yeah, and like as I said, it could be their best performance on foreign soil ever. If they do beat yeah. Belgium, it'll be their first yeah. third-place finish. Uh, like, and, I don't and fancy t- them to beat Belgium. I'll yeah, just make yeah. that clear now. Fair enough. Uh, I'm not really. I'm not even thought about who's actually going to win that match. I'm just going to sit down and enjoy it like a like an action film. You know, you just turn off your brain and you're just watching it for the sake of watching it. Nearly. Yeah. Um, but I'm very interested to see how England do over the next two years. I did uh, make the bold claim in the last episode that I think they'll struggle to qualify for the Euros. And well, that I, was like, wrong. This, this, no, <laughs> but I think wrong assessment. Like I'm not saying they won't qualify for the Euros because obviously they're we don't know what their path to the Euros will be, but I think they'll struggle. Like they won't they won't be walking over teams. I think like today or not today, whatever day it was, Wednesday. I think really uh, helped my own assertion. Like it made me feel good about that assessment because like they just like they didn't have a shot on target for the 115 minutes after they scored. They completely lack someone to just find the incisive pass. They lack someone that will break down a stubborn defense. They just they they seem like they're completely null of ideas. Like they have no idea of how to actually score a goal from open play. Yeah, it's bad. And you heard the journalists asking uh, Gareth Southgate in a funny, you know, what are you going to do to make England score? Because obviously you can't score an open play, and this is a problem. And you tried to score an open <laughs> play, but you were unable to do so. Uh, it is a problem. Like they, they've had very few chances. Like Panama, I would have had a good chance of scoring against Panama. Yeah, the, like Panama, you, like so what? You scored six against Panama. Like that's not the most difficult thing. That's not impressive when you're England. No, like J- Jesson got a good finish. You know, it was like a training. Yeah, it was a lovely finish. Yeah, but it's like it a training goal. It was like a training goal though. It was like unopposed. Took his time. Placed the ball. It was like uh, Angel Di Maria's goal against France. <laughs> which we won't go into either right now but 
the other open play goal they scored was what? The Harry Kane hit the back of his... No, it was the Deli Alley. Oh, yeah, and it hit the back of De- Harry Kane's heel. Yeah, yeah. and Deli Alley's then, which was against Sweden, and it was very much like a set-piece goal in the way it was constructed. It was you know, as it, close it, to a set-piece goal you could score in open play. Yeah, it was pretty much. It was like they all lined up, players were in position, they pulled off each other. The love train. And, yeah, well, <laughs> a, a, a cross was sent in, and he, he headed it past the keeper. You know... At that point, the match was almost over to one because Sweden looked out in their feet. Uh, but yeah, it's a bit of a worry. But I'm not. I'm not going to worry too much about it at this point. I'm going to let them enjoy their triumph. They've got to a semi final. They've done better than everyone expected. They can be proud of themselves. They didn't let their countries down. Like they didn't go out kicking and screaming and blaring at the ref or blaming others for their defeat. They were beaten by a, a team that just had them bested on that day and the they've accepted it I think for the most part they haven't complained there's no blame seekers there there's no people looking to like out a player as you are the reason why we're out of the World Cup why it's not coming home it's progress for them and you know they they can be happy with their performance I think yeah like the the like we've seen it over the last month now it's given the english fans a reason to enjoy watching the english team again which mm. is more like it's more it's important been a while. than almost it's been a else. long time yeah yeah and exactly it has been a long time but uh then croatia you know they're into the world cup final uh but what about uh kalinic yeah, poor Kalinic. <laughs> he, he he got sent home after not coming on in the first game for whatever reason. I imagine there's something more happening in that situation than the reason why he will come out eventually, why he did not come on. But, you know, he's gone back to, is he at Milan at the moment? Yeah. For now, anyway. And I'd say he feels pretty bad about the whole situation. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I was wondering this uh, on the last episode when I forgot to mention it. I was like, w- w- does he get a medal? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Are you probably... I would imagine he will, to be honest, because it is a dispute between himself and the FA was the reason he was sent home. It's something to do with FIFA. Yeah. So FIFA would probably issue a medal and it would be up to the Croatian FA to give it to him. How does it work? Is it a case of FIFA give off X number of medals and then the FA decide who gives them or is it... That's what happens in the Champions League and in other tournaments like that. Uh, I'd imagine there's 23 medals issued for players... There's only 22 in their squad. If they had had injuries and brought in other players, those players probably would have got medals too. So, I think I think there will be there'll be a medal there for them. But uh, one way or the other, they'll get a silver medal no matter what. So, yeah, it's 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 a weird one for him. I wonder because he could like Manzukic came off injured. He could get an awful bet beaten from uh, Pickford in that semi final. Like Kalinic could have. Could have, in theory, started the final. He could have been useful to just come on in any of the three matches because yeah. they basically well, I imagine been an he would have match. come on. Yeah, I imagine he would have come on in in all of the matches uh, at some point because Manzukic was running on empty in almost every match by the time, and he was often substituted. But it was a completely different kind of more substandard player that would come on, and they'd have to adjust the way they were playing almost. And uh, that will do us then for uh, part two. Uh, join us after the break where we will discuss the World Cup final. David Silva here in amongst the legs. Brilliant composure. And driven into the back of the net. An absolute peach of a goal by Nacho to put Spain in front. So this is what we've all been building up to. 
We've seen 30 teams eliminated, leaving two standing tall. France versus Croatia. It's the third final for France and the first for Croatia. 66.9 million people versus 4.2 million. It's the smallest Croatia, or it's the smallest population size of a finalist since Uruguay in 1950. How does it turn out? Who wins the World Cup? Easy answer would be France because they have the bigger squad with the more talented players overall. Well, maybe not more talented players overall, but the the more gifted players overall. And they have had not necessarily an easy run to the final, but they have played a lot less football to get to the final. They have a younger age dynamic. Their game is built entirely around physicality, really, and defensive solidity. And their numbers, as you said, their strength in numbers, and uh, the numbers you said at the beginning of that intro there prove out I think that France will win this World Cup and they'll get the second star I like hmm I, I'm torn because I, I like I completely agree with you the easy answer is to just say France but then this this performance from Croatia just makes me think just don't write them off just just not yet like it's the World Cup final they'll be tired but they'll they'll go through it because they'll do everything they can to win this yeah they like I know I it's they played we said earlier Croatia played three consecutive 120 minute games but it is a World Cup final you know you, you can't be tired for a World Cup final it was hey, uh, forget to, about those 360 minutes you just you go for it yeah it was put to Chris Waddle that the Croatians would be tired before the semi-final with England he said you're not tired in a World Cup semi-final no matter how much football you play you're not tired and it'll be the same for the final. Like they'll be g'd up. The adrenaline alone will probably keep them going for the majority of the match because they'll be just so g'd up on the match, on the atmosphere, on the occasion, on the history. But you know, you look at the players that are in there. Modric in his thirties, Rakitic is now in the thirties, Perisic is coming near to his thirties, Mandzukic is up there. You know, Chorlukas might start. Uh, the other players that are there, uh, Rebic is a. A firebrand who's losing pace as every match goes on. He's getting slower and slower as every match goes on. Uh, the uh, what's the name of that defender who looks like he's an extra in uh, Vikings? Oh, Vida. Uh, Vida. You know he's hated by the Russians now, and so is the manager of Croatia. And he's getting slower as every match goes on. Dejan Lovren was making mistakes and was kind of making silly challenges throughout that England semi-final. He was fortunate, not like really that a lot of his uh, kind of messing about wasn't picked up on by the referee more against this French side that's going to be running at them that's you know in fairness to England side who do have a lot of pace and a lot of youth they're not as refined as this French side they don't have the you know experience even of players the likes of uh, Antoine Griezmann or Olivier Giroud they like they may have players to rival their quality but they don't they don't have the experience of them, their their ability to just, you know, big game performances, you know, to, as we said earlier about Drew getting back to defend in his own box and then getting forward again, winning free kicks, winning fouls, you know, being clever, playing the match properly. They, this French team is filled with those type of players. Plus, they have Kante, who is, can never tire, it seems, and he's, you know, potentially they're thereabouts to win the player of the tournament. You have Pogba, who's playing the best form he's ever played for for France. He's, it's almost as if we're watching Juventus-era Pogba come back, you know, when he's 
being both physical in defence, playing box-to-box, making runs at all the time, talking to his teammates, communicating with them, which is something he doesn't do enough of at Manchester United, I think, and not letting his hairstyle or not letting his you know, need to be in the centre of attention overwhelm the team performance, and he's been excellent for that. You also Blaise Matridi, who is the almost the antithesis of a normal Pogba, where he is always for the team, he always does what's right for the team, he's always running, he's always harrying in midfield, and... You know, maybe, and probably not maybe, but definitely Modric and Rakitic and Perisic are better technical players than those three French counterparts. But if they're run around all night and the ball is kept away from them, they're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah, but then, like, it is the final. Anything can happen. That's just, <laughs> that's all I come back to. Is like You just want a good happen. match. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, they can bring on Mario Goldson really and he can score a goal. But yeah, the, you know, the problem is there with that though is like how often is the World Cup final any good? Like it, it just rarely isn't. Maybe we'll get a good moment out of it, and that's really all we can really ask for. Yeah, finals of competitions generally are rarely any good. Like you, even in the Champions League, we get a final every year, and it still doesn't really live up to expectations. Yeah, all often that often. They, often they don't. Like even the last World Cup, what was the moment of the last World Cup final? Maybe. Goats' winning goal, but it was kind of, uh, you know, it was kind of a good, it was a good finish, but it was a goal scored very late against a very tired defense. And even in 2010, I can't even think of a, a moment like the only great moment that's going to probably be remembered from that is the fact that uh, Nigel De Jong kung fu kicked Xavi Alonso in the yeah. chest. You know, the, I don't think it, things are going to live long from that final. 2006, obviously started amazingly there's a penalty in the first couple of minutes to Franson which was scored by Zidane when he was trying to do the ultimate Penenka against the crossbar and in against Gianluigi Buffon which is which is something to behold but then nothing happened for the rest of the match until you know uh, in extra time really when Zidane lost his cool and took it out against probably the who the man who should have won player of the year that year in the Ballon d'Or in uh, Marco Materazzi a man who unfancied came into the Italian team scored a goal in the World Cup final scored a penalty in the World Cup final the penalty shootout got the best player in the world sent off and you know did it all with a smile on his face yeah like the 2006 final has gave us one of the most memorable moments in World Cup history you could say or even in football yeah, history yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I don't expect anything like that in, no, uh, in not at Sunday's all. match not at all. There's, like no, the biggest... there's no player like Zidane at this World Cup, but not even no. to say like, oh, Zidane, like he he was a specific brand of flair and all this. But there's no like, like old player who's been who's had this amazing career and this is kind of a last hurrah. There isn't no one really like that. Well, you can make an argument for Luka Modric being that because he is that old and he is that kind of, uh, you know, been a great player and all that. But at the same time. Croatian themselves have been a, a surprise act. You know, they've always been good. They've always had very good players, but they're always liable to get absolutely tossed out of a tournament. Turkey did it in, remember, 2008 when they had a really yeah. good chance of winning the whole thing. Uh, it happened last uh, Euros against Portugal and, and when the they completely well. outplayed them. This is the thing as well. Is like, this, actually, this actually feels like what the final of the Euros should have been. Because yeah. Croatia should have beaten Portugal, and then the run of the final would have been like you—you you would have expected Croatia to get through it the way, like yeah, in a they would better have beat fashion. Wales, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I think it was Poland in the quarterfinals. Like you would expect Croatia to beat Poland because Poland yeah. always collapse in a way that's even more impressive than the way Croatia collapse. 
uh, and then Wales in the semi-final would have been a pure gimme kind of situation. Yeah. And, like, that's the final we should have gotten the Orals, and obviously France have that experience and Croatia don't, and maybe that will be enough to see France over the line. Like, Paul Pogba was talking about it today, of, like, mm. oh, we you know, we suffered two years ago. We went into that match assuming we'd won, assuming that, we you know, we could just turn up and they'd hand us the medals that it was going to be given to us instead of we having yeah. to earn it and they've learned that lesson now and they're going to be up for it like it, obviously it's a World Cup final they're going to be up for it but like they're going to be up for it even more now like they they want to put behind them the, the pain of two years ago and Cro- Croatia just don't have that they just have the the pain and suffering of a, a regular uh elimination from a regular uh, knockout round yeah so it's it's not it's not worth as much as uh losing a final absolutely not <laughs> The another you know Pogba did make a good good thing. I think the French are switched on psychologically. Like we saw with Griezmann in the in the semi, like keeping everyone calm, making sure everyone's behind the ball, following the plan of Deschamps implicitly or explicitly rather. You know they they knew what was going on. They're a lot more controlled than last time around. And plus, they have, you know, you're saying two things that maybe there isn't a breakout player in this, but there is potential for two breakout players to come out of this World Cup or to be the, you know, emblem of this World Cup. One of them being Luka Modric on the Croatian side and the other one being the man we spoke about a little bit earlier in Kylian Mbappe, who could, you know, take this World Cup final and make it the Mbappe final. He could do that. He could do something amazing in this he could you know because this is an aging Croatian defence as we said before they're not quick they're going to be playing very deep in this final if they get caught out in the counter as Mbappe showed against the likes of Argentina as he showed against uh, whoever I forget who they played (laughs) I've completely forgotten who they played in the quarterfinal Uh, Uruguay you know he made runs he drew players out of position he just caused havoc without really doing anything in end product wise but he just was just fantastic and if he can combine end product which he produced against Argentina with the crazy runs and the you know the crazy little bits of fear he set off in defenses that he had against Uruguay and against uh, Belgium this could be his game yeah that's a that's an interesting point you're raising there of like oh you know the it doesn't like it might not matter what's happened in the tournament before now this because the final is an opportunity yeah. for a player to have the entire tournament remembered on their one match like uh, yeah. you know we, we've seen that before uh, it, it's an interesting thought I, I really love the idea of like a Dejan Lovren like master performance and like that's who we remember the World <laughs> Cup for <laughs> yeah Just it could be players. amazing it could be amazing you know that there there is there is still capacity for that like I hope the Croatians do get back up to like something approaching full fitness. Like, cause a lot of the injuries, they're not serious injuries. They're more muscular and fatigue related injuries that maybe they can recover from in time. But like, I'm hoping they do do it so that they give themselves a fair account. I know they will through their own, you know, heart and soul and their adrenaline will be with them. As we said before, in a final situation, but I really do hope that they can, be the best that they can be in this final and really give France a showing because if they don't, if they're not at switched on at 100%, this French team does have the potential to really take it away from them because their midfield is very physical, very quick, very intelligent with their play of the ball, very, you know, and up front, Griezmann, he's one of the best players up front in the world last five years. Giroud, he hasn't scored yet, but he does have an eye for goal. If you get a cross into him, he does seem to have this habit of getting in front of defenders. And he has experience getting in front of Dejan Lovren, for instance. And then you have Mbappe, who could potentially do anything in this match. 
and unless Croatia are at a hundred percent, they are going to win this. Like France are going to win this tournament. And the worst thing that could really happen is that France just blow away Croatia, and it's like two 0 within ten yeah. minutes, and then the game is kind of done. Like that. That's that's the biggest fear as a viewer that I would have of that. Or, you know, maybe crazily enough, Croatia just... Uh, see, at least even if Croatia did that to France, it'd be like, oh, France wow, would have to do something, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. But I feel like if France take an early lead and then they get a stay add to it relatively quickly and then they just see out... Like, they could just easily see out a 2-0 win. Maybe yeah. a 3-0 win. And, like, that would, that would be, like, be really like Euro 2012 all over again. Yeah, and then, like, the, the route to the finals has been so bizarre because... Like Croatia ended up on the the supposed easier side of the draw, not like and not through a nefarious means like England perhaps, but like they did win their group and they won it pretty impressively. Uh, but then like they played Denmark, went to penalties. Like really, they should be beating Denmark in ninety minutes. They played yeah. Russia, went to penalties. Really, they should have been beating Russia in hundred or ninety minutes. And then they probably should have beaten England in 90 minutes as well. Like that That's the match that you can say, oh, fair enough, you went to 120 minutes. But they had the chances to win that yeah, in 90 they minutes did. as well. Paris had hit but the then, post. There was other chances there, yeah. But then you look at France, like, or well, actually, you look at Croatia. Like they're, they're the, as I said, easier side of the draw. But then France, they played Argentina, one of the contenders, had the best player in the world. They got through it in 90 minutes. It was a hard-fought battle. battle. They had to come from behind, but they got through it in 90 minutes. Uruguay, a difficult team to score against. like A dark horse contender that, if they keep going in this competition, could win it. And they got through it in 90 minutes pretty comfortably. And then against yeah. Belgium, like Belgium beat Brazil. Belgium, the golden generation, they're being built up. They're like uh, the, That Brazil match was supposed to be the precursor for them to win the competition. And France just yeah. won pretty comfortably. 1-0, saw it out, no problems. Like they they played the tougher teams, but they had the easier time of it, and you know yeah. that's a, that's a credit to them as well. But it just makes the build up to this a little weird as well. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you mean. It is it is a very strange World Cup. It's led into it's it's been underwhelming in a lot of sense, considering the potential matchups we were looking forward to. Like other than the France Argentina match, it hasn't been electrifying. The matches they've been kind of. Like as I had to use this phrase over and over again, but damn squibs, they've been just all all fury and no fire. You know, they've just been players and teams rubbing up against each other and not creating any sparks. And you know that sometimes that's how football goes, and you know you can admire it from afar as a you know tactical mastery from all the managers involved and the players doing their jobs precisely. And that's what France kind of have done in this. They've they've not. They've not been electrifying. They've been solid. Yeah, like I think I I'd probably have a higher opinion of the knockout rounds. Like I think Japan, Belgium is yeah. obviously a class. Like I think I really enjoyed. Like I enjoyed some of the other matches. Like there's been no nil nils in this knockout round, which I think is yeah. very weird. And I think uh, like the England Croatia match was fantastic, and it really summed up what makes sport like incredible. I think because. It's so much better than any kind of scripted drama you might see on TV because you're sitting there with like high anticipation, wondering what's going to happen, who's going to be the hero, who's going to be the one that slips up, makes the mistake. Like it was sitting on the edge of your seat, kind of stuff. Like it, mm. it, it was like what makes sport special. Like it, it, and that's what you want from the World Cup. Like it, yeah. while the football uh, itself might not have been of the highest quality, the drama still was and. 
then of course when all the Croatian players go off celebrating their what would be the winner and they crush the cameraman like that's that's yeah. a, that's a really good moment and the pictures yeah. that cameraman got with her were absolutely incredible like it was just Mandzukic uh, like, terrified for his life basically yeah. Yeah. Rakitic like picking him up hoping he's not accidentally destroyed this man and like broken all the bones in his body or whatever like it was yeah. it was brilliant as well to watch because you're watching it thinking wait a minute there's a, there's a man in the bottom of that <laughs> and then obviously yeah. Yeah, like it's they sorted out like but but that semi-final like it was cagey but it was cagey in the right way like both teams were were willing to go and attack and try and score and one team was just better at it than the other yeah yeah, and that's why I no. like this World Cup has been so good. Yeah, yeah, there has been. It's been surprisingly good. I must say, I didn't expect it to be as as attack minded as as it's turned out to be, or as uh, kind of loose in the way that it has been. You know, I expected it to be a lot more pragmatic, a lot more like a more traditional European World Cup. You know, where defense rules, which I suppose in the end, defense. If France do come out, it it will prove to be defense rules. But there's been, like you said, those moments. There has been moments in this tournament to to look back on and with fondness and to to really enjoy. Yeah, and uh, that's doing that. And and I I just really hope this World Cup doesn't end up being like Spain Netherlands. Like that that's that is another mm-hmm. thing that just could really ruin. Like the final does give the perception of what this World Cup is. Like if the final is terrible, our final perception of this World Cup will be that it won't. it's terrible. It won't. Uh, and like it, I'm not going to say that the World Cup lives yeah. or dies by the final, but like it, it is important. Like and yeah, yeah like yeah. all good stories need a good ending, and uh, this World Cup like needs to have that. Good it has ending an impact to yeah. really be considered one of the great World Cups. Like if the final is underwhelming, then it kind of just becomes a mid tier. Like oh yeah, that World Cup yeah. was fun. You know, it had its moments. A bit like Brazil four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, Brazil still has that 7-1, so we, yeah. that will live with us for a very long time. But as you said, I can barely remember, like, I remember Algeria, Germany, I remember the Ghanaians and the USA. It was, it was Belgium, mostly the group you know. stages. Like, I, yeah. I remember Netherlands has run very vividly, but even then the knockout stages was not as entertaining as the group stages were. Yeah. Like, yeah, I see what you mean. Like, this this has had more moments in there. They've had more shocks. They had Korea beating Germany comfortably. You had Japan's amazing performance against Belgium, which I still think is the best performance I've seen in this whole World Cup. And if they had one, you know, really high-class the <laughs> player, they probably would be in the final. They just played so well, so cleverly. And I, I can't get over that, considering they are considered the worst Japanese team in generations they still played so well and it bodes well for their future but yeah i don't like as a neutral going into this final i'm happy enough with its state you know i i don't mind who wins i don't have any special feelings towards either of the teams i don't have any contempt you know contempt towards either of the teams i'd be happy no matter what happens so i'm happy enough with this world cup basically yeah, and like that's fair enough. Like I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Both. The only thing I'll say is I would kind of like to see a first time winner as well, because you know mm-hmm. spread the wealth out there a little bit it would be you know it'd be nice to see France win it as well. Uh, yeah, especially because the the disappointment of 2006. Uh, but I think it would be nice to see Croatia. Like I, again, I I kind of agree with you there that I, I don't really mind yeah, who wins. I don't mind either way. I'm happy if Croatia win. I'm happy if France win. I don't mind as long as we see good football. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we will see that, and uh, I'm looking forward to this final. For some reason, it's on 4 o'clock. I know you prefer afternoon football, but I prefer it was on in the evening. 4 o'clock's perfect. Uh, you know, Wimbledon's on, like, you know, we got to watch the final. 
Yeah, but it might be over by then. Uh, yeah, maybe Federer got knocked out, so it's not as interesting anymore. Uh, so yeah, that's how we'll end our uh, World Cup. <laughs> yeah, so Federer's been knocked out, so let's end this World Cup. Yeah, we're ending all of sport for at least a month because yeah. Federer isn't winning Wimbledon. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that will do us for our show today. Uh, hope you've enjoyed listening, and uh, don't be afraid to email in at the tfpod at gmail.com for your thoughts on this World Cup overall. Who you think's going to win the World Cup? Uh, what have been your favorite moments? Uh, let us know. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Total Football Pod or on Twitter at the TF Pod, where you can give us our thoughts there as well. And uh, subscribe to the show, rate and review it, uh, tell family and friends. The more, the merrier. You, you, oh, yeah. you know what we always say. And yes. uh, that just leads me to say thank you for listening, and or thank you for being here, Andrew. Rather. Oh, thank you, Declan. Although you, you did do some listening. I did. Uh, you know. Yeah, you know, that's, that's part of the that's part of the process, and. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you for. Li- I'm getting totally mis- mixed up here. Uh, thank you for listening, uh, listeners, and uh, don't dream it's over. Hey, hey, hey.